Hello, you're watching the Light Novel's great video series on the theology of the body. This video is dedicated to audience 58. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossotter. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. So this audience marks the last main section of chapter two of part one of the theology of the body. And so this audience and the next one form the two audiences of this section. And they're really just a kind of a conclusion to all of our analyses since TOB 24, where we've walked through the Sermon on the Mount and now St. Paul's um, various letters talking about uh, concupiscent desire and purity of heart. So a lot of the material in this audience is going to be review. There's not going to be much new material. It's more so just kind of a review audience of where we've come from. And this, this conversation, he, JP2 continues into the next audience where he brings out some new points. All right. So audience 58. So before we recall, Matthew 5. We have it's a analogous to Matthew 19, where Matthew 19 had this appeal to the beginning. And the beginning is reference to the mystery of creation as accounted for in Genesis chapters one, two, and three. And so in the analysis of the beginning from chapter one, we've learned about man's original innocence. And within this analysis of original innocence, we looked at how man's true vocation is marriage. And this vocation has its source in the mystery of the human person being made in the image and likeness of God. And this truth of man and his mystery as being made in the image and likeness of God this is the basis for the indissolubility of marriage. And this truth is rooted in the situation of original innocence. Original innocence, again, is referring to that state of Adam and Eve before they disobeyed God and ate of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Once they have eaten that fruit, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then they fell into the state of original sin. And original sin is where we get this hereditary sinfulness due to the breaking of the first covenant between man and God. And it's here we discover the phenomenon of concupiscence with, as an adultery of the heart. And it's where the words of Matthew 5 come into play where he who looks at a woman and desires her commits adultery in his heart. That desire is the concupiscent desire. And just um, to emphasize then that these words of Christ from the gospel are for all humans, all of humanity, across time, across places, cultures, past, present, and future. There's a universality to the gospel message that is it is meant for everyone. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything you'd like to add at this point? 
I do not. Okay. I'm going to just kind of continue through this and just let me know if you have something you'd like to add at some point. Excellent. All right. So we've talked about the sixth commandment because Matthew 5 refers to it. He about um, this man who commits um, the adultery of the heart. As Jesus says, he who has, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you who, he who looks at another woman to desire her has committed adultery in his heart. And so the sixth commandment has a normative content of this truth of do not commit adultery because it's to protect the value of the human person and the communion of persons and that the value of the conjugal act and the sexual value of the human body. So the norm in general that the sixth commandment is prohibiting is that the evil of the concupiscence of the flesh, this evil is to be avoided. And we avoid it by becoming pure in our hearts. This concept of purity of heart is something that is good. It's a overcoming of our concupiscent desire. And this purity is, in general, being free of every kind of sin. And there's also kind of a specific meaning where it's in reference to the sins of the flesh, but we want to think of purity in both meanings as specifically referring to purity or to... um, Avoiding the sins of the flesh, yes, but also this avoidance of every kind of sin. And um, JP two observes that the the these this concept of purity of heart that we find in Matthew five, Saint Paul develops it much more fully in his letters. So Saint Paul gives us a more complete image of the content of christ's words and so the normativity of the sixth commandment of in the words of saint paul and jesus they point us they direct us to the good of purity and the values that man should aspire to living out in his daily life and so Within Christ's words, we can discern that there is an essential anthropological truth that these words are real. They are realistic in the sense that they are not a return to original innocence, that state of Adam and Eve before they sin, because that's not something realistic. We cannot return to how Adam and Eve were before they disobey God. That is impossible. Instead, Christ takes us in our current situation, says, here is the path forward. And the path forward is the purity of heart. This purity of heart is something accessible to every single human person. And this is, and the human person is referenced to as historical man. So let's see. Historical man is. Again, it's referencing that all human beings who are in the state of original sin. So 
This path forward, this purity of heart, is addressed to all humans in the state of original sin, that all human beings, since the moment Adam and Eve disobeyed God, have entered this state. So it includes all of humanity. And this path forward we saw is the life according to the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul has explained it. And so Christ's words here, they are an appeal to the inner man, to his heart, that we conform our hearts to the life of according to the Holy Spirit. And when we do so, this requires of us a rediscovery of the value of the human body in such a manner that it is freed from concupiscence. And we are freed by concupiscence from concupiscence by redemption. So this path forward by Christ is really the path of man's redemption through Christ's life and death, his suffering on the cross. He has, through his great sacrifice, purchased for us our salvation, our redemption. If I may interject briefly. Yes. Something that comes to my mind referring to the path forward to purity i do think um and i know it's not meant that strictly literally for lack of other words but we do get this image of a path and of course a path has an end it's meant to take us somewhere wherever that destination may be i read in another book that the Didache, so I didn't read the Didache itself, and I'm bringing up the Didache as, um, yeah, you'll see my point briefly in a little bit, that the Didache describes two things, the way of life and the way of death. The way of life, it's the path that the Christian takes. The Christian is someone who, in following Christ, lives a morally good life and in so doing uh, in following christ fulfills the meaning of his or her life but the opposite a sinful life is a way of the way the way of death which ultimately leads to death and destruction which is a path in rejecting christ and living a sinful life and rejecting his his grace and his salvation rejecting him what comes to my mind and like as i read this audience as i reread this audience analogously as the didache describes um following christ as the way of life here i really took that in reviewing the words of christ it's the fact is that the words of christ indicate the way to purity of heart for man of concupiscence. So Christ's words in these segments of scripture that we looked at in the gospels, they present to us that path that man of concupiscence must follow is to follow for the sake of purity of heart. And this is more specific in the realm of sexuality. That's something that for me was just a, just a beautiful um imagery and as well as um message 
Yeah, thank you, Guillermo. Yes. Yeah, no, those are, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, we could take your, what you said and take it back to the Bible. I mean, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. Excellent. Right. Yes. So what you said is, you know, that's just something we need to emphasize. Mm -hmm. The path, Jesus is the path to purity of heart. And that's precisely where JP2 is going to take us in the next chapter is talking about the role of redemption and this Mm. path in Christ. Yes. And I I thought it was also very poignant that you brought up this um, language of the way of life versus the way of death. Right. And it really recalled to me actually Deuteronomy because in chapter 30, verse 19, we read um, here. Here's the verse quote. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. There, therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. End quote. And it's just, it goes back to that covenantal language, right? If you obey God's covenant, then you discover life. And if you break that, you discover death. Now, it's the same theme as the first man, first woman in that first covenant. They had life in that covenant. And then when they broke that covenant, they discovered death. And it's that same theme throughout salvation history. And that's that takes us to Christ. If you entered the new covenant, you discover life. How do you enter that covenant? Well, it's through this purity of heart. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, thank you for that, Guillermo. Absolutely. Yeah. See. All right. Let's continue on with this. So purity. Purity involves both abstinence and temperance. It is the opening up of the self to the more perfect discovery of the dignity of the body and this dignity of the body is, of course, connected to the dynamism of the gift of self, the freedom of gift. Purity is inseparable from this freedom of gift. And so purity is also a habit. It's a virtue. And as a virtue, it belongs to the cardinal virtue of temperance. And so purity as temperance is it matures the human heart towards this, um, towards the spousal me of the body and its whole truth of the human person. And all humanity, all men and women, we are all called to live purity as this virtue and to know this truth interiorly with interiorly within our hearts and to live it from our hearts now something to know is this inner experience of temperance appears as something negative because we are abstaining from doing certain things but the reality is christ and saint paul they want to shift 
our understanding of temperance from this negative meaning to the positive meaning of the purity of heart. The positive meaning of temperance, abstinence, and soon when we talk about continence, the positive meaning is precisely the value content involved here. The value of the human person, the value of the community persons, the sexual value of the body, that is what's at stake. That positive content is the reason for why we perform these negative actions of abstaining, of practicing continence, so that we can preserve and live in accordance to these values and live in a higher way. All right. So as we exercise virtue, we have a more mature purity. And the more we mature ourselves, that means the more we can enjoy the fruit of victory over concupiscence. And this mature purity demonstrates the efficaciousness of the Holy Spirit because it is a power of the Holy Spirit working through us as we cooperate with God's grace that we are able to overcome concupiscence. We're not left alone, stranded, struggling in this fight against concupiscent desire. The Holy Spirit, through the sacraments, helps us fight concupiscence. So God is working with us and through us to help us live a more dignified way of living our human personhood. Now, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the gift of piety, which gives back to the experience of the body in that man can experience the truth of the communion of persons in a manner similar to Adam and Eve in a state of original innocence. And so the man who has this purity of heart experiences a different spiritual climate and attitude versus the man of concupiscence that lives according to the flesh, according to his lust, according to his passion. And this difference is due to the fact that purity leads to a joy in our, the possession of self and this ability to be able to give oneself as a gift to another person. The man of concupiscence is unable to do so because he becomes enslaved by his concupiscence, by his lust, by his sins. So he cannot give himself as a gift. And so he cannot experience what he cannot give. The, he cannot experience this act of self-giving because he cannot give himself. And what this means then is that the man concupiscence cannot experience true sexual joy because he is unable to enter the communion of persons. If he cannot make this gift of self, then he cannot experience the true joy that comes with the conjugal act. And that's something remarkable to think about. The person who goes out and becomes a man whore perform the conjugal act with as many women as he can. He does not experience the true joy of sex. Even though he, even if he has had sex with a thousand women, he will not find the true joy of sex. 
and just having sex with every woman he can. Instead, he lives out a kind of sexual despair, which is sort of ironic. I, I do think that that's an excellent contrast, joy versus despair. Two very different things that one is promised to us with uh, purity of heart, but the alternative is also true. The impurity of heart, you know, do whatever you want with it. You're not going to, we're not going to achieve joy, not authentic joy. And I think we'll, we'll just never forget that. We know we're missing out. But we're not sure or we're in denial or we're rejecting the fact that we're doing the opposite. And depending on the person, what do we think is going to fulfill us if not um, chastity, if not sexual purity? We just think, oh, we just need more, more more of this uh dead pleasure that um that's all it is and insofar as we believe that that's all there is sure that is a manifestation of despair because there's nothing else there is no um we just don't believe in the real thing there's nothing transcendent to aspire to Mm mm-hmm all right. Yeah. Thank you for that, Guillermo. Yeah. All right. Um, do you have anything else you'd like to add, Guillermo? Yeah, just one more um, uh, addition to what I shared. And, and um, when, when you were informing us on what the, next, the following slide was saying, is that Christ's words, yes, they indicate the way to purity of heart. Simultaneously, at um, in so doing, they indicate the way for a rediscovery of the dignity of the human body. And what I want to highlight is rediscovery. So we lost the sight of the dignity of the human body um, at the fall uh, uh, in fallen humanity. And of course, taking that imagery of a path that is taking us to a destination, that it's a journey. Christ's words indicate this one path that is going to show us to to help us. uh, We're going to rediscover the dignity of the human body. Maybe not necessarily at the end of the path, but throughout the journey. So I just took that imagery of the path and and essentially reiterated the rediscovery of the dignity of the human body. Yeah. Thank you for that, Guillermo. Yes. Um, Do you have any last thoughts or reflections for us? That is all. All right. With that, thank you everyone for listening to our video. If you have been enjoying our content, please like subscribe, share, our content, our social media. We are on a variety of platforms, including YouTube and Facebook. 
And again, if you have been enjoying our content, please consider making a financial donation. You can support us financially through PayPal, Patreon, or even if you use the Brave web browser, you can directly send us a tip through either our, just by being on our website page or YouTube page. Um, your financial support goes towards the maintenance of our website and our ability to purchase resources so that we can continue providing you with great materials such as this video series and our many articles on our website. You can find all of our articles for free to read at laidnovelisfree.com. On the website, you can also find our podcast. Guillermo, can you give us some more information about our podcast, please? Yes, in our other podcast series, we talk about a variety of topics, such as trends in culture and politics, and we address them through a Catholic personalist perspective. Now, you can listen to our podcast episodes on the Lenovella Spree website under the, in the podcast page under media, or you can also uh, listen to us in other platforms. So if you for example, on buzzsprout.com, where we upload our episodes, you can listen to us directly there as well, or use Buzzsprout to locate us in other popular podcasting platforms, such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. All right. In case you're wondering just where at is all of our social media, you can just simply go to laynovellspreet.com slash subscribe. All of our social media is there. Links for Facebook, YouTube, Patreon, PayPal, and the various platforms. Our podcast is distributed. It, it is all there and more. Um, Guillermo, do you have anything else for us? Yes, I would just like to ask our audience to keep us and our mission in your prayers. Yes, please. Um pray for us. We are in gratitude for all of your prayers. And with that, we will see you next time. Bye, everyone. God bless.